How about those Chicago Cubs? There we go. <laughs> yeah, the congregation gave this uh, to me at our picnic, and so I thought I'd wear it. And, and I think, well, I really need to wear it every time the Cubs win a part of a series. So this is for the Giants game, and then I'll wear it again when they're done with the Dodgers, and then I'll wear it again when they win the World Series. <laughs> It's a special time for Cub fans. We are fired up about it. How about last night? A grand slam. <laughs> they are very creative, aren't they? Huh? And then a Tuesday night. Oh, Tuesday night. They played the Giants twice at home, won those. Uh, went up to San Francisco, lost one in the 13th. <laughs> and the next day, uh, they, uh, they lost one in the 13th. And then they came back, and on Tuesday night, when they were going into the ninth inning, they were down by, like, three runs, all right? Now, it's interesting because this really is baseball history. What happened was is they were into the inning behind, and they came back to win. Now, 867 teams have been in that position in postseason. And there are only three teams that came back to win it. And one of those was the Chicago Cubs. Huh? Yeah. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. You know, the other two teams, they had to take extra innings. They tied in the ninth and then went on. And, but not the Cubs. We made history. <laughs> Uh, it's so fun to watch them. How many Cub fans out there? All right. Way to go. All right. Hey, listen. Uh, you know, we, we talk about the Cubs, and, uh, and it's fun. It's fun. But, you know, my question is, you know, why is it that we don't have some of the same enthusiasm for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ? Really, you know, I mean, that's much more exciting than <laughs> the Cubs, right? Now, if you saw the game on Tuesday and you saw the ninth inning live, I want you to stand up, okay? If you saw it on TV live, all right, I didn't see it live, all right. My friends, these are witnesses, okay? I think, you sit down here. I think you guys should probably just stand out in the foyer so people can come up to you and say, tell me what it was like to experience that inning. Right? They're witnesses. They're not experts. Right? No, no, no. They're just watching the game. They can give testimony to what happened in that inning that the Cubs won. And friends, when it comes to life on mission, God is asking us, to be witnesses. Just to t- now tell what happened in your life. I've got transformed your life. It's not really that complicated, even though we try to make it uh, that way. Oh, we've got the wrong version up here. This is not the same one as I used. So if you could find the other version. This is the one that was in there, but there's one that's more current like we had last time. So, all I'd say is that um, 
Well, I'll go with this one. That's fine. Uh, how to engage. We're life on mission. You know, we talked about connecting with unbelievers. Uh, you know, just starting a friendship with them. Or you already have a friendship with a lot of unbelievers, maybe. And then we talked about serving them. Serving them. Uh, doing something for them. Uh, just anything. You know, to add value to their life and that kind of thing. And today we're going to talk about a sharing, sharing, or being a witness, being a witness. Uh, it's been said, to preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. So, of course, the idea is let Jesus shine through your life so people don't even have to ask you what's different about you. Oh, that's a beautiful thought. And yes, we need to live out the Christian life. But you have to tell people why you live differently. Right? You know, Lori and I, sometimes, you know, we'll look at a person who's not a believer. And we say, man, they would make a great Christian. You know, they're so kind. They're caring. They're serving. I mean, why don't they just become a Christian? (laughs) Yeah. Well, people don't know what your motivation is. In the way you act. So, I mean, you could have a wonderful person, but they're not a Christian. Well, they need Jesus just as much as anybody else needs Jesus. So here are some obstacles to becoming a witness. First of all, lack of gospel knowledge. And, you know, the more I, I thought about this, the more I believe that this is one of the biggest reasons why people do not share their faith. Now, again, I mean, if you've been a Christ follower, you've heard the gospel taught hundreds and hundreds of times. You've heard a lot from me if you've been around, right? But at the same time, there's something about articulating the gospel. You think, it's, oh, it's just, you know, i got, got to get it just right, you know. <laughs> i got to say the right words. And, and therefore, you don't feel comfortable. How many of you... If I came up to you and I said, tell me about the gospel. How many people, let's just say if it was not me but somebody else, how many would feel comfortable presenting the gospel? Raise your hand. All right. That's maybe 40%. That's good. That's good. That's great. But we want everybody to be able to have the confidence to share how Jesus Christ has changed their life. Another reason... Why we don't tell the good news is because of apathy. And I see this in so many Christ followers' lives. You know, they'll start out and they'll be excited about their, their life with Christ. But at some point, uh, other things take their priority. And, and they then, especially in the area of evangelism, missions, they go on cruise control. And they say, yeah, I tried to do that. I don't have the gift of evangelism. Well, you don't have to have a gift. You're on a mission. And someone like me with the gift of evangelism is here to encourage you and uh, how you can do it yourself. So we're, we're living on mission. Uh, but again, if that's where you're at, and we all, we all go through dry times in our, our spiritual journey, but, but if you've been on cruise control, I mean, if you think back over the last year and you can think a few times you ever were a witness. 
to anybody in terms of just spending time with them, not necessarily sharing the gospel. If that's the case, you really need to take a careful look at your heart. And you need to confess the sin of apathy, of not having compassion on those people who are lost. The third reason is fear. And this is a big one, right? I can understand it. Fear. Our fear is that if we tell people the gospel, we are going to be rejected. Right? The person's going to think we're a Jesus freak or, you know, they might not like us anymore or don't let our kids play with their kids. Uh, we'll be associated with Ned Flanders. I mean, come on. I mean, who wants that, right? Well, friends, uh, when you struggle with fear, and it's very, very common, I can't do this, I don't know how to do this, and that's why we're, we're talking about it uh, today and during this series, you know, just go to the cross. Go to the cross, kneel at the cross, and just remember how Jesus Christ has transformed your life. And, and that's a great thing about a church is because we have these small groups, of course, that are going through this curriculum. And the whole idea of a church, well, the one purpose of a church is accountability. I mean, a lot of people say, well, I just watch TV on Sunday morning. That's good enough for me. No, it's not good enough because God created you to be part of a local church fellowship where you could watch people modeling what it is to live the Christian life and, and tell somebody, I'm scared to death of telling somebody about Jesus and, and kind of working through it and being that encouragement and affirmation. All right? So, again, your fears are greatly exaggerated. Okay? And I encourage you to pursue that if that's one of your issues. Colossians 4, 3 through 4. Paul writes, in prison... At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. (laughs) Paul's in prison. Now, if I was in prison, I'd say, oh, Lord, give me an open door to get out of here. But he's not saying that. He's looking for open doors in guards' lives, in other inmates, whoever he's around. Imagine being chained to Paul, and sometimes they were, <laughs> in a captive audience, mercy. And, but the point is, is that he, had, he, he was praying for open doors, and then he said, may I make it clear. Now I'm thinking, come on, Paul, you're the, the father of missions. You went out church planting. You led so many people to Christ, and you're still praying about it? Of course. He models it for us, right? There's a guy who said, yeah, I can wing this one. But no, he prayed. He prayed. That's always the first step in reaching other people. And just continue to pray as people come into your mind. Oh, Lord, bring them to Jesus. You know, and Have a prayer list of people you're, you're seeking uh, to reach. And again, that's the first step of connecting of really starting to love that person even more and seeing how lost uh, they are. So I, I look at this and I say, wow, Paul had to pray. Huh. So I have to pray, right? 
Mark 5, 19 through 20 is the story of the demoniac. It was Jesus Christ who came across this man. I mean, this man was stark, raven, mad. He's called Legion. I mean, he's a thousand, he had thousands of demons with him. And he would just run around the countryside naked, creating all types of problems. There's nothing they could do to control him. And Jesus stepped into his life. And he cast all those demons, I remember, into the pigs, and the pigs went off the cliff. And there's the demoniac, and he's sitting there, and he's got clothes on, and he's just a regular guy. And imagine how amazed people were. And he went away, oh, excuse me, uh, he wanted to go with Jesus after this has happened. I mean, after somebody changes your life like that, yeah, you want to be around that person. He says, I want to go with you, but... Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Why did he tell him to go home? Because the most natural, the most effective way to reach others for Christ are with those you already have friendships with, right? It's a natural thing. He said, hey, you go back to the people who have seen you running around for who knows how many years, and you show them what's happened to you. And then Mosanna says, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis where he lived how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. I mean, you'd marvel, wouldn't you? Now, I, I came to Christ when I was five years old. I didn't run naked. Well, maybe I did. I don't know. But the point is, you know, <laughs> there's not a lot of spice in that story. So if you have like a childhood conversion, in order to share your story, uh, I would think of you know, how has God blessed you in your life? How has he set you on the right path early in life? And we encourage people to do a three-minute elevator story, right? Three minutes. So you can tell the gospel in three minutes, and you write out your story, and this is what it was like before I came to Christ, and then you get real detailed in the middle about how you can lead other people to Christ, or how you came to Christ, so the other person can reproduce it. And then you say, hey, and this has uh, changed my life. How many have a, uh, something memorized like that? Anybody? Rich Willard, thank you. <laughs> okay, a few of you. Well, that's another assignment, if you feel so led, is just, in fact, small group leaders. I would encourage you to keep, uh, I would encourage you this Wednesday night to talk about this tool we're going to talk about, to talk about people you're trying to reach. In every small group, there should be prayer for lost people. And I'm going to challenge you small group leaders, you're going to learn this tool first, and you're going to do it for your small group. So they'll know. That it can be done. All right? Yeah. Well, Life Conversation Guide. I came across this this past week. Uh, it's a gospel tract, and I, I just never had seen it before. And I, I'm just, I was like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> this is so good. This is so powerful. Man, I've got another method of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So we're going to give these out next week. Okay. I bought a, bought a bunch of them. And uh, we're really going to encourage each other 
uh, to use this in our conversations. So it says, how many times in everyday conversations do people engage you about their problems or challenges? How about this last week? Did anybody tell you about a challenge in their life? Raise your hand. Well, yeah. People are constantly talking about that kind of stuff, right? We talk about our problems. That's normal. It's amazing how often people share their heartaches regarding their marriages, children, finances, addictions, depression, you name it. People are hurting and they need hope. This conversation guide will help you turn conversations about the problems into conversations about Jesus. All right. All right, why don't you take out your um, insert, your message insert. Uh, it has my verses on one side. On the other side, I'd like you to draw something. So if we have the ushers uh, who have pens, if anybody need a pen, raise your hand. We'd like everybody uh, to be engaged uh, with us. Very good. Yeah, that's what we'll get to you. Just keep your hands up. And uh, we're going to show you how this is uh, explained. And you're going to be able to write it out and see how easily it can be presented uh, to someone else. All right. So draw a circle in the top left-hand corner of whatever you're writing on. Okay. And one more thing I wanted to remind you as well is there's another, there's another insert in there in how did you connect to Springbrook. All right. Now, we asked for this a couple of months ago. We got about 28. But we would really like you to fill this out and turn it in today in the offering because we're doing a study so we can figure out, okay, how can we be more strategic in reaching people for Jesus Christ? So the information you share with us will help us to find out, okay, how do people find out about Springbrook and, you know, what's their spiritual journey typically before they come? All right. So you, first you write, draw that circle and you write God's design. God's design. God, when he created the world, had a perfect design that we were to follow. Adam and Eve there in the garden. He had a design for everything. He had a a design for family and uh, raising kids, uh, your job, uh, whatever God was going to do in your life. He had a design for it. He designed for your money. He had a design for your sexual life. He's got a design that's found in God's Word. But the problem is, as you all know, we were born sinners, right? We're born sinners. So we look at God's design and we say, well, that's all nice and everything, but I know better than God. Think about that. I know better than God. But that's what we say, right? I know better than God, so I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And therefore, we step, uh, this is uh, how he said the creation was good. Uh, you know, it was very good. Uh, and then you write down sin. You write an arrow. Okay, put an arrow down there and write sin. Anytime a person runs from God, doesn't follow God's design, he sins. He misses the mark. He rebels against God. And of course, we're all sinners. And that's the direction we go. And so when you start to sin 
says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Very important you understand this. I mean, think about somebody in your life, as I mentioned before, who would make a great Christian. A person who you, they inspire you by the way that they touch other people's lives. Now, if they don't know Jesus, the penalty has not been paid for their sin. And they're not going to go into a fantastic eternity. Even though they're so good, it doesn't matter. When we start to move into that, we're talking about the works orientation. Oh, well, this person better than the other person. I was talking with Mark O'Meara after the service. And he said that uh, he was up at uh, Cook County Jail uh, yesterday with the Gideons, ones who pass out the Bibles and reach people for Christ. And he said he talked to two people who were murderers, right? And he said to the murderer, do you think you're going to heaven? I said, well, no, I murdered someone. He said, well, let me tell you a few things. So he planted the seed of the gospel in their lives. Now, that murderer, does that person deserve to go to heaven? Well, no, but none of us deserve to go to heaven. That murderer needs a gospel just as this person who you are inspired by. It doesn't matter what you do here on earth. It's how you respond to Jesus. Everybody has this, you know, God-filled void or God-void uh, in their life that only God can fill. But they try to do it with many other things. So next I want you to draw a circle and write brokenness. Brokenness, that's two N's and two S's. All right? Brokenness, because really we're all broken. I had a chance to be with my wife last night at her high school reunion. So everybody in the early 50s. and It was really interesting just to hear. These kids grew up at a Christian school. I mean, not necessarily they were Christians, but most of them were. And they shared about their lives. And they talked about divorce. They talked about rebellious kids. They talked about getting off the track and rebelling against God at the time in their life. They even shared about one of the members of the class who this past year, I guess, his wife passed away. You know, just a surprise. And the next day he stepped on some type of poisonous plant and he had to have his his leg amputated. Imagine that. We look at those stories and say, why? Why? Because we're in a broken world. We're surrounded by broken systems and broken people. And that's where all the pain comes from. So everybody doesn't, have, doesn't know Jesus, has that, that, that pain. And it, it's like, there's something in life I'm not getting. So what people do typically, uh, we chase after things that we think are going to fill that void. Maybe it's, when I get that house, then I'm going to feel that satisfaction, that void being filled. Or when I have my first child, or when I get that kind of car, or uh, when I climb the career ladder, but even at the top of the ladder, the emptiness is still there. And friends, we have the privilege of being ambassadors for Christ and to pray for open doors like Paul did. 
And we can say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry about what's going on in your life. But did you ever wonder why we have so many problems in our life? Well, let me share something with you. Take out the track and step through it like we're doing. Or, or you could take a napkin out. The great thing about this type of tool is you can do it on anything, right? But get the point across how much God loves him. So we're in brokenness. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And a lot of people think, hey, everything's good with me, no matter what they might be believing. That leads to death. If they don't go through Jesus Christ, right? That is why we need to be passionate about this, friends. We are not in a game. You know, a lot of, a lot of Christ followers kind of feel like, okay, well, this is what we believe. And, yeah, I guess our, all roads lead to God. No, they don't. They don't. And the people you know, the people you love who don't know Jesus, if they don't believe and repent, they're going to suffer for eternity. And we don't want that. That's why we need to say, oh, God, give me an open door in order to be able to tell someone about the gospel. Now, here's a solution. Draw another circle there. Gospel. Gospel. And the gospel is that we are under the penalty of sin. This is an eternity of suffering. That's the penalty. And there's no way that we can get out of it. But God sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to earth to be the God-man. So He could be a representative as well as perfect. And He lived a perfect life all the way to the cross. So He could represent us. I mean, He didn't need to be punished for sins, but He chose to be our substitute. And the sins of the world were laid upon Him. And God had to turn His face because He took on my sins, past, present, and future, and everybody else that's ever walked the earth. He paid, hey man, He paid the penalty, right? Yeah, great suffering. But again, that was enough to satisfy God's justice system. Somebody had to pay the price. So God sent His Son to pay the price. And then, of course, Jesus Christ rose again. And that certainly proved that He was the Son of God. So we share this incredible gospel with them. And what needs to happen in the next thing, you draw this out, okay, so repent and believe. Repentance is very important. Again, that's the idea of changing, you know, doing a 180 here and changing and say, okay, my life is messed up, my life is broken, and I need Jesus. So you repent. Say, this isn't working. I want to do your way, God. And then you believe. That's that's the key thing. You need to believe that Jesus Christ paid the penalty. You need to believe that God's offering you the free gift of salvation. You need to believe that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Two different things. Repent and believe. And so you explain this uh, to the person. Mark 1.15 
and saying, this time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's just a great way to explain the gospel. Talking about repenting, but then also you've got to believe, you've got to put your trust in God. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him the dead, you will be saved. I mean, people are broken. I mean, you think about people that you know that don't know the Lord. and Life is tough. It just is tough because we're broken. And you... You have been given the privilege and the responsibility at the right time to share with that person you love and care about the most important news they'll ever hear about Jesus Christ. This is the real deal. This is why we need to be passionate about reaching people for Jesus Christ. Okay, so the last thing you do is you draw a uh, draw another line, and it's recover and pursue. And what you say is, you say, you know, after God came into my life and He transformed me, He gave me this power that I never experienced before to want to follow His design. I mean, in the past, I didn't want to do His design, but now... I've got this natural desire to want to grow in God and follow more of His designs in my life. In fact, I want to pursue it. I want to recover. And then I want to pursue Jesus. I want to pursue holiness. I want to pursue the life that God wants for me. Oh, mercy. Isn't that great? Now, what should I do? Now that you've heard this good news, God wants you to respond to Him. You can talk to Him using words like this. My life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe God came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from sin. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus is Lord of all, and I will follow Him. There you go. If that person is led, they can pray that prayer with you. And maybe you're here today, and the light bulb's gone off in your head and say, well, I've never understood it in that way. Again, in this area, because of the type of churches, you always have to talk about the good works issue. That takes a long time for people to be understanding, because they were taught as kids. You know, you got to be good. Well, you accept Jesus, and then you got to be good. No, no. You accept Jesus, and then you're naturally going to be good. Right? So you really have to get their understanding with that question like, you know, if you died tonight and you went to heaven, uh, would they let you in? So, I mean, that gets some thinking. So let's pray this prayer right now. If there's anybody here who wants uh, to claim Jesus Christ's forgiveness, uh, silently pray with me. My life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Christ came to life, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus is Lord of all, and I will follow him. Dear Heavenly Father,
if any people have made that decision, uh, the angels are rejoicing right now. Their whole lives have been transformed. And they're going to want to pursue you now. I'm just so happy if any have made that decision. And I would encourage those people to put it on their insert or whatever, put it in the offering, and let us know you made that decision so we can come along and disciple you and encourage you along the way. In Christ's name, amen. What's next? They talk about prayer, church, Bible, share. Uh, What's the next step after you become a Christ follower? Now, here's a really cool thing, all right? This is an app, all right? This is an app on your smartphone. So what you can do is you can look at the app, and it has the same pictures. You just swipe it, and it gives you the next screen, the next screen, the next screen. And I just thought that was so cool. It's called Life Conversation Guide by the North American Mission Board, and you can access it through Android or <coughs> Google. But uh, I thought, wow. I mean, for, for somebody like people who struggle with the gospel, I mean, all they have to do, all they have to do is read it to someone. If you read it, you can lead it, right? If you read it, how many, I mean, we all can read, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Well, if you can read, you can share the gospel with anyone. You just read through the tract. All right? You don't have to memorize it, per se, or anything like that. And you'll want to do that eventually, so you can take it out anytime, do it on a napkin. But you can read this track to the person. And uh, I tell you, I was just... <laughs> I had to get to evangelism, so I just... Uh, I was so excited about this. I've ordered like a thousand of them. <laughs> and they're coming in this week. Oh, there we go. Yeah, Becky has it on her phone. And, and what they do is... In the app, they give you a video, a demonstration video. Let's watch that demonstration video right now. This is a three-minute version of what I just shared with you. We live in a broken world, surrounded by broken lives, broken relationships, and broken systems. This brokenness is seen in suffering, violence, poverty, pain, and death around us. Brokenness leads us to search for a way to make life work. In contrast to this brokenness, we also see beauty, purpose, and evidence of design around us. The Bible tells us that God originally planned a world that worked perfectly, where everything and everyone fit together in harmony. God made each of us with a purpose, to worship Him and walk with Him. Life doesn't work when we ignore God and His original design for our lives. We selfishly insist on doing things our own way. The Bible calls this sin. We all sin and distort the original design. The consequence of our sin is separation from God, in this life and for all of eternity. Sin leads to a place of brokenness. We see this all around us and in our own lives as well. When we realize life is not working, we begin to look for a way out. We tend to go in many directions, trying different things to figure it out on our own. Brokenness leads to a place of realizing a need for something greater. At this point, we need a remedy, some good news. 
Because of his love, God did not leave us in our brokenness. Jesus, God in human flesh, came to us and lived perfectly according to God's design. Jesus came to rescue us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He took our sin and shame to the cross, paying the penalty of our sin by his death. Jesus was then raised from the dead to provide the only way for us to be rescued and restored to a relationship with God. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Simply hearing this good news is not enough. We must admit our sinful brokenness and stop trusting in ourselves. We don't have the power to escape this brokenness on our own. We need to be rescued. We must ask God to forgive us, turning from sin to trust only in Jesus. This is what it means to repent and believe. Believing, we receive new life through Jesus and God turns our lives in a new direction. When God restores our relationship to him, we begin to discover meaning and purpose in a broken world. Now we can pursue God's design in all areas of our lives. Even when we fail, we understand God's pathway to be restored, the same good news of Jesus. God's Spirit empowers us to recover his design and assures us of his presence in this life and for all of eternity. Wasn't that cool? <laughs> three minutes. Three minutes. Friends, anyone here today can do that. And if you're really shy, you can just play the video on the app and give it to the person. You know, and we'll discuss that later. There's this false fear that I have to speak it perfectly. What if they ask me a question? What if they ask me about the creation? Oh, that type of thing. Well, just say, hey, I'll, I'm a witness. <laughs> I don't know all the details, so <laughs> I'll get that answer for you, doggone it. Right? And, and that's my passion for our ministry and our people, is that everyone would be emboldened by the Holy Spirit to say, yes, I can do this. I'm going to pray for an open door. I'm going to look for an opportunity. I'm going to think on my strategy, whether it's a paper track or doing it on a smartphone or doing it on a napkin. I want to challenge you to learn this presentation because it's the greatest news on earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, mercy. We just rejoice. Thank you for the tools you give us that other people create through your spirit that help it eat, make it easier to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray a year from now that we would have tens of people who have come to Jesus Christ because someone in this audience took the risk to share the good news with them and they responded. In Christ's name, amen.